I got a question for us this morning. Is, is it possible that you can lose your salvation? Oh, come on. I thought we were going to go an encouraging message here, Pastor Mark. Is it possible that we are to lose our salvation? You know, that has been an ongoing debate in the church since uh, the 1500s, early 1500s, when John Calvin decided that um, this whole idea of predestination, that God has predestined us, and so therefore, if it, God says it, how could he um, take away salvation from us. And by the way, God will never take away salvation from us. That, we want to be clear on that. But the question is, can we walk away? Can we walk away? So this is not a, this is a, a thought that came about from John Calvin, this whole idea, once saved, always saved, and predestination. And, uh, and the scripture, 2 Timothy, uh, sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 4, um, talks a little bit about that, not directly, but indirectly. And I think it's important to, to Ask that question because, as you know, we are all getting ready to meet Jesus face to face, right? My job is to, is to equip and to help you feel confident. Can you say that word confident? Confident. That you're going to be confident in the place that God has placed you and in assurance of your faith. And so today we're not going to have you feel insecure, but confident in what God has called you but I think it's important that we look at what the scripture is, at, at realizing that in the end days, there are going to be things that are going to um, sear our conscience if we're not careful. But let's, let's go to the scripture. We want the scripture to speak to us, not just Mark, right? Correct. You can say yes on that one. Yes. <laughs> All right. 1 Timothy chapter 4 says this. Now the Spirit expressly says, now remember, this is Paul writing a letter to Timothy, a much younger person than Paul. And why this is important that we read this is because even though Paul's writing to Timothy under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God's word applied to us is the same was 2,000 years ago, 1,500 years ago, 1,000 years ago. Well, whenever the scripture is written, it gets applied to us and it makes it's true today, right? And we can apply it to our life. So now the Spirit expressly says that in the later times will come, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Let me re repeat that again. Now the Spirit, not Paul, the Spirit expressly says that in later times, which would be later than what he was writing, so it could be our time, a, a future time, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Through the insecurity of liars, sorry, the insincerity, sorry, let's read, read properly. Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. This idea of a conscience being seared, if any of you um, are good in the kitchen or you've seen people sear pieces of meat, what they do, they put it under super hot heat, a pan, and they throw um, some meat on it and it sears it. And what that does is for cooking purposes, it keeps the juices in. But what it, what it also does is it prevents penetration. So either in or out. So what happens is when a conscience is seared, or we can also say it's hard-heartedness, no longer does the, does the Spirit of God affect us where we would feel conviction, where we would desire repentance, and so there's something that can happen that their conscience is seared. 
And this is what they do. They say crazy things like this. That they forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created and received with thanksgiving. By those who believe and know the truth. By those who believe and know the truth. And now they're twisting something and people are believing it. That's deception. Okay. For everything God created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. So we have this first section that talks about this deception and that some will depart from the faith. Okay, what does that mean? Is it possible that people can walk away accordingly from this scripture? It says it is. Now let's read verse 6. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained um, in the words of faith and, and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Can you say train yourself? It's not saying somebody train you. It's saying train yourself. Training, what does that mean for you? What does that mean that, that you need to be training yourself for godliness? For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. It holds promise for the present life and to, for the life, life to come. Okay, so here he's saying, you go to the gym, that's good. You, you work out, you go running, you look after your body, good. And that will serve you well in this life. He's not saying don't do it. He's saying do it, but just know the effect that it's going to have is only good for a short amount of time. At some point in time, you're going to die and that good will no longer be good. But what he is saying is says focus on the things that have eternal consequence, that have eternal value, which is focusing on the things of training yourself in all godliness, for godliness. Uh, the saying is trustworthy and deserves a full acceptance. For to this end, we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God. And this is it. This is not about being religious. It's not just good works. This is about our relationship with our living God. That's what our pursuit is, this relationship with our living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. One more little section that we're going to read, and then I'm going to like dissect this a little bit. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth. Young people, where are you young people? Do not let anybody despise you because you're young. And those of you of us who are young in heart, do not let anybody despise us who are young in heart. <laughs> but here Paul is talking about Timothy just saying, just because you're young doesn't mean that you can't have a vibrant faith pursuing all things that God has for you says this, um, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers as an example. As an example, here's how you're to live, guys. As an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. Let's look at those again. If you want to take notes, this is where he's saying, what do we want to have an example? Our life should be an example to people around us in how we speak, in our conduct, like how do we live our life, in love, in faith, and in purity. There's, boy, if you were to write those four things down and start assessing your life on those, how are you doing? 
Do not neglect the gift that you have, which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Remember, Paul's talking to Timothy. Timothy had councils, um, elders lay hands on him, um, prayed for him, any gift that he was given to him. Practice these things, okay? So now one is train yourself. Now here's another word, practice. Can you say practice? Practice. Practice. We need to keep working at it. We need to keep pursuing it. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. It was interesting. We were, I was at journaling on, my journaling group meets at Starbucks on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. If you want to come read the Bible with us um, at Starbucks, have a nice cup of coffee and uh, read the scriptures together. We were going through this passage together and it was really interesting. Somebody had a, a great observation. You've heard me talk about in New Englanders, sometimes we, we tend to go from can, can, go to church to church based on, you know, whatever circumstances. And, and the person said, and they were new to our church from another church, and they said, you know, it's interesting that, that it's saying that for others to see our progress, we need to be around for some time. I thought that was an interesting observation, that, that it's easy to float in life, it's easy to be sporadic, it's easy to not be in a small group, it's easy to not be known. But here he's saying that others may see your progress. So one is practice, but you want to see, are you growing? Are you progressing in the faith? And then verse 16, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Okay, here's the point. Keep a close watch on yourself. Why don't you say, I'm looking at me. <laughs> I'm looking at me. I'm looking at me. Take a close look at yourself. A close watch on yourself. All right, what does this mean? What does this mean? First of all, what we have to run it through the context is, it's always about a relationship. This is not about just works, right? We're saved by faith, not by works. However, we are saved for good works, right? We, our life should be evident of fruitfulness, right? Evidence of fruitfulness. We know that from a scripture that says uh, with the vine and the branches, right? That we are connected to the vine. If we're not fruitful, that the dead stuff will eventually get cut off and be thrown into the fire. What does that mean? That will be for another day. But, but he wants us to remain in the vine. And when we stay and remain in a relationship with God, our life will have evidence of fruitfulness. Of fruitfulness. So there's a couple of scriptures that I just want to highlight if you're taking notes. Um, first part is, is verse 1. Um, that says this, that some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits. So there's something about a devotion. There's something about devoting yourself to things that are false. Deceitful uh, spirits will be things that will be, first of all, it's spiritual, right? So it's not just practical. It's something spiritual takes place here. But they've, they start believing a lie, and that's what it is. They start believing a lie. So how is it that they start believing a lie? Part of it is their conscience becomes seared. And how does your conscience become seared? Is you stop pursuing an active relationship with your Father in heaven through Jesus Christ. That you stop allowing the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit to speak to you 
to keep prodding you on into the right way. Keep prodding you on to the right way. It's almost like this. If you, if you get to, your, to the place where you've started to listen to the world more than you listen to God, that, that what is informing you more are movies and social media and, and the world's messaging over the scripture of God's word and of the, of the Holy Spirit who brings that conviction. If your, your ears start, then becomes common, right? It becomes very common for you. And then, therefore, you begin to say, well, did God really say? Because you don't really know because you're not in the word of God. Did God really say this happened with Eve in the garden? That's how deception happened. Because the, the enemy was able to give you partial truth, but not full truth. And you say, did God really say? And then it's, then it's like, everyone's like, well, everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. I mean, it's just the world we live in. That's, everybody's doing it. And, and so, but what's happening when we start doing that, then a fog comes over us. Our conscience gets seared and life becomes foggy. And so you're feeling through the fog of life like this. I'm feeling, feeling, I hope I don't trip on anything. I'm feeling, feeling, feeling. And all of a sudden, somebody grabs your hand and says, come follow me. Come follow me. Now, there might be two hands reaching out to you. Well, you know that God is always there wanting to reach out to us. He's always there. God never um, departs from you. He's always there pursuing you. But what hand are we grabbing a hold of? Is it a deceitful hand or is it the hand of truth? And I think sometimes when we're feeling, 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 the enemy is who masks himself as an angel of light, by the way. We're feeling, 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 and you feel this hand like, come follow me. You better know what hand you're following. <laughs> Because he will lead you, he will lead you into paths of destruction. Remember, the enemy wants to kill, steal, destroy. His heart is for you, his desire for you is to pull you away from a life-giving relationship with the Father. And he wants you to be separated from God the Father who will give you life and eternity. Because he is so mad that he himself was kicked out of heaven He's known God. He's seen God, right? Satan has known. Lucifer has known God, seen God. He knows what it's all about. And his heart is to pull as many people away as he can. So some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits. So they once were in the faith, and now they've departed. The question is, can they come back? And the answer is yes, there is. You, you take the, the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son chose to say, guess what? I want nothing to do with my family right now. Give me my inheritance. I'm going to go and squander it, live for myself. Okay, so he's, he's followed a deceptive spirit. And he's feeling like, guess what? The world's going to be more fun than what my dad's house and my dad's rules are. I'm just going to go live my life. The beautiful part of that story is he lived a wild, crazy life, separated from the Father, and yet he came to his realization, and he came to his senses, and he says, I want to come back to my Father. And the Father who was there waiting, anticipating, probably praying, hopeful, is waiting, and he sees him far off, and the Father runs to him. I love that story. It's a, it's a parable. And so it shows us what, what, there's always a way back. There's always a way back. But there's a way back. See, God will never leave us. But the question that we need to ask is, if we don't want Jesus to represent us before the Father, what happens? The only way that we receive eternal 
uh, our place in eternity in heaven is through Jesus Christ, correct? But if we don't want Jesus to represent us, so people who do not have Jesus, where do they go? I know it's hard to say, right? We don't want to even think about that. But guess what? People who don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior will go to hell. Eternity separated from God. I don't know what it really means, but I, we, say, we see in the scriptures it says it's, it's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And, and it's just, it's a tormenting place. Some have departed from it. Does it mean they can come back? Yes, it means they, of course, they can always come back because none of us are good enough, right? None of us have uh, good enough works. None of us have lived this perfect life. We need Jesus as our Savior. But here they're saying, you can follow deceitful spirits and you will depart from the faith. But then, here we go. I love this scripture. It says, but train yourself for godliness, verse 7. So here's the anecdote. So how do we not walk in the fog? How do we not feel around like, I don't know if I'm like, if I'm in the right place and who's grabbing my hand and my conscience seared, not seared. Okay, we don't even have to worry about that if we begin to do what Paul's telling Timothy, train yourself for godliness, verse seven. Train yourself for godliness. So how do you do that? It's like there's a level of intentionality. Can you go into training for a marathon with all of a sudden just like, or are you going to take a marathon, go for it, run a marathon by just like, wake up one morning, it's like, today I am going to run a marathon. No, there's, there's a sense of intentionality to say, six months before I run my marathon, this is my schedule, this is what I've got to do, I've got to pursue, and I've got to train myself to be ready for that. So he says, train yourself for godliness. So in other words, it's, it's like, keep pursuing and keep training yourself towards God towards this relationship. Now, when you read this, say godliness, like, do I need to train myself for holiness? And he says, be holy for I am holy. But guess what? Holiness comes through Jesus Christ and through a relationship. Because if we try to just like live a good enough life without a relationship, we'll become religious and legalistic and controlling. And we'll feel like somehow our good works of somehow are going to measure up. But really, it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And with our Father. And then verse 16 then says, Keep close watch on yourself. Keep close watch on yourself. And on the teaching, persist in this. Persist in this. This idea of being persistent, this idea of like, okay, so we're training ourselves. We have to keep a close watch on ourselves. In other words, inspect yourself. Wake up tomorrow morning or when you get home today, look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm looking at you. I'm looking at me, right? And you begin to inspect yourself. What's going into your mind? What are you consuming? What, what content are you consuming in your mind? What's going into your heart? What are your relationships? Who are your relationships? Are they leading you closer to Jesus? Or are they leading you further away from Jesus? Start assessing those things. Talk about the groups. What, what, am I in a small group? Are, are there people in my life to encourage me? Or am I isolated that I might be prone to temptation or I might be prone to isolation and, and where I'm going to be deceived. I'm in these places of being prone. And then, you know, what is, what's your prayer life like? What is, how are you connecting with God? Are you in the word or not in the word? Are you connecting with him relationally? How are you spending your money? Are you, are you generous with your money? Or is the money controlling? Like inspect yourself and measure it all up to God's word. Like what's going on? 
what's going on? Inspect yourself. So he's saying this, keep a close watch on yourself. Keep a close watch. And on the teaching, so in other words, keep, keep a close watch with a reflection to how God's word has taught us. And then measure your life to that. Persist in it. Persist in this. And so here's this idea. There's something about that we just can't make a decision one and done and feel like we can just live our life the way that we want. There's something about persistence that we need to persist. And then it says, by doing this, so you will save both yourself and your hearers. So he's saying, okay, preach the word, talk about it. But here he's instructing Timothy, who's a called person, who the elders have laid their hands on. And he's saying, if you inspect yourself on a regular basis, and if you persist in his teachings and, and measuring yourself to God's word, guess what? You don't have to worry about your salvation. So the whole idea of once saved, always saved, the whole idea of, of can you lose your salvation? Guess what? You never have to worry about that if you persist in your relationship with Jesus. You never have to worry about it. It becomes a non-issue. The reason why this has become an issue is because I think the church loves to divide itself. I think they want to be able to like have, do you believe this? Do you believe this? And, and we want to parch these things over here. But the reality is it's a non-issue. It's a non-issue when you begin to say, I want to be fully devoted to Jesus and live my life for him. We were talking about this as staff. You know, anytime that you have these, some of these, these scriptures that have become places of division in the church, um, because there are, you know, you have the Armenians, you have the Calvinists, and, and they'll kind of like have different points of view on this, and, and then you, we like to have a debate over it, and, and so we were talking at staff meeting today, and we're just kind of rustling through and tussling through it a little bit. It's so fun to do that, but I came to the conclusion, it's like, because uh, I'm reflecting on my own life. It's like, I know what my life was like before Jesus. And then I encountered the Father's love and forgiveness and acceptance of me. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to perceive, is there ever a time that after experiencing that love that I would ever wander so far from God that, that my conscience would be seared? That I would be so deceived that I, I no longer would be able to receive God in my life that I would, I would want Jesus to represent me when I go, when I leave this earth, I, I would just find it really hard for me to, to even imagine that I would be able to walk away so far that I no longer would want Jesus to represent me, that I no longer would want Jesus as part of my life. Because here's the reality. We all go ups and downs with life, right? Because the, the other thing we talked about is like, Maybe they came to this conclusion because of the, the fear that people would have, like, oh my word, if there was a Mack truck coming to you, like, it's going to cross the red line, and you just swore right then, and all of a sudden the Mack truck hit you, would you go to hell? Right? I swore, that's a sin, I didn't have a chance to repent, <laughs> right? Oh no, what do I do? Well, we better say once saved, always saved, because that'll make me feel better, <laughs> right? No, but the reality is, is, like, God knows your heart. God knows your heart. And I question whether or not you could ever walk so far away from God. Like you see the prodigal son, that, that he was so far away from God. Well, from his father, representing God. 
so far away. But he came to his senses saying, you know what? My father was so much better than my wild living. My father's care and love for me was so much better than me just doing it on my own. And he came to that place and he came running back to his father. So do I question whether or not you can lose your salvation? I don't really have the answer. Only God knows because he's the only one that looks at your heart. But guess what? I feel like it's a non-issue when you just say every day you wake up and just saying, God, I want you in my life. I want to follow you wholeheartedly. And you, and you are intentional about inspecting yourself. And you're persistent in your relationship with him. And guess what? Then in your humanity, when you stumble and fall, and in your humanity, when you slip up a little bit, you keep coming back to what does God's word say? And he keeps correcting you so lovingly and so gently. And, and then you keep saying, Jesus, wash my heart. Make me clean. I want to be like you. Then you never have to worry about your salvation. So today, I want you to be confident that you can walk out of here today never, ever concerned about your salvation. Because, because why? Because every day you're going to inspect yourself. You're going to be persistent in, in looking at your life as it relates to God's teachings. You're going to choose to say, you know what? I'm never going to like wander so far off that, that I'm, I'm in the fog of the dark and, and I don't know what hand I'm grabbing because I no longer can hear God's voice or, or I can no longer. But by the way, I, want to, I just want to encourage you. There are seasons where God becomes very silent to you. And I want to let you know that, that even though that God is silent, it doesn't mean that God is far from you. And it doesn't mean that God has left you and it doesn't mean that you've lost something. It's just, a, it's just a silent time for your life. And I don't want you to leave here with that, that unsuredness of like, oh my word, am I now in the fog and, and I need to be concerned. I would just say, as long as you are able to want Jesus to represent you, that you're able to have Jesus in your life, you're going to go through some difficult times. Though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. They rod and they staff. They, they comfort me. They protect me. They're just difficult times when you find this desert experience that God becomes silent and, and you feel dry. That's okay. Just keep coming back to the Father. Just keep coming to Jesus. You don't have to be concerned about your salvation. The question is always then about, can you just wander too far off? And I would say God's love is never too far. Like God will never turn his back on you. Is it possible for a human being to turn his back on God? Maybe, maybe. But today, church, you can be confident and assured that if you pursue God with all of your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and be persistent in your faith with him, you'll be confident that one day when you meet Jesus face to face, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your assurance. But Lord, I do know that we have a part to play to steward our own heart and our own soul to 
keep a relationship fresh, to allow ourselves to be inspected, that we wouldn't get so far away that the deception would overtake us. Father, we know the battle that's out there. We have the battle of the demonic. We have the battle. It's kind of like this war of the heavenlies that is fighting for our soul. And yet, Lord Jesus, we know that with confidence that through you, Lord Jesus, that our soul is safe as we continue to place our lives underneath your care and protection, Jesus. That even though in our humanity we may fall short, that we even would sin, Lord Jesus, that is why we need you, our Savior. And we repent, Lord Jesus. Repentance means that we just kind of keep reflecting on those things. We don't go live carelessly and casually saying that I don't need to steward the, the care of my soul condition, that I'm intentional with persisting in my relationship with you. Father, I ask that you would check our hearts to realize what we're devoting ourselves to. And what spirit are we listening to? Are we listening to the spirit of the world? Are we listening to the spirit of the gym? Are we listening to your Holy Spirit? What spirit are we listening to? What are we devoting ourselves to? And Father, how persistent are we in watching the condition of our heart? I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would persist in guarding our heart above all things because of it is the wellspring of life. How persistent are we that we are being mindful that we watch closely the things that we're allowing into our minds, that we watch closely the things that we're allowing into our hearts, that we watch closely our relationship with you and our relationships around us. That Jesus, that we would be mindful of the relationships that are either drawing us closer to you or further away from you. Jesus, I'm mindful that there are some here today that are unsure. They're unsure where they stand with you. And Lord Jesus, our assurance is found in acknowledging what you've done on the cross, that while we were yet sinners, Jesus went to the cross for us. That through that cross, Lord, that you have taken care of our sin. You've forgiven us from our trespasses, our sin. And through that cross, the shedding of Jesus' blood, that we, um, our transgressions are covered by the perfect sacrifice of Jesus. And so, Lord, we reflect on that and realize where we fall short, we repent of that. We turn the other direction. We say, we don't want that a part of our lives. We want to pursue you. 
Father, we know that Jesus is not only takes care of our sin, but he assures us of, of eternity, everlasting life by conquering the grave. So Father, I just pray if there's anybody here today that is unsure that they would just take a moment under their breath right now and say, Jesus, I want you the Lord of my life. I want to persist in my relationship with you. I want you, I want to be wholehearted for you, not one foot in the world and one foot for you, not two feet in the world and none for you. I want two feet in my relationship with you. Wholehearted for you, Lord Jesus. For those who are struggling right now of, of the influences of the world, Lord Jesus, they feel like they're walking in the fog, they're walking in the dark. Lord, I pray that you lift the fog from them and today they leave here with this desire to persist in their relationship with you, confident in their salvation. Father, give us the strength to live this out until our last breath. Lord, we're all getting ready to meet you face to face. So help us to be on mission to reach a lost, care for the least, and train the found. And everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for watching us online. We're so glad that you joined us. We trust that Jesus has spoken to your heart and you've been challenged by his word. If you'd like to know more information about Grace Capital Church, please visit us at gccnh.com. We'll see you next time. <music>